on this week's very special episode of the Pop Confidential Podcast. It's all about the world of Westeros. That's right. It's our long-awaited Game of Thrones special podcast, so keep it popping. Joining me today are my partner in crime, Luke Kerr. R? That, is that go, the right tense? I'm going to go all, okay. yeah, with all three. You see what we're doing right here? Okay. Luke trying to uh, check Jamie on grammar. Let me just well, slide There are three people, so R is correct. That's correct. R, R is Luke Kerr. Thank you. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, hello, Jamie. I'm looking well, forward R, to it. R, Luke Kerr, Melody Akles, and yes. So you see there are three. So that is why oh, R is okay. correct. Thank and, you. And I... Uh, <laughs> And I is the other one. And not visual, you can't see me snapping my fingers. So no, we can hear it. <laughs> so, Melody Akles. Hey, hey. How you doing? I'm good. How's it going? And Craig Peters. Hello, everyone. Game of Thrones is HBO's monster hit serialized drama combining medieval saga with the supernatural and the world of black magic and red magic and all sorts of magic and dragons. (laughs) It is based on George R.R. Martin's epic Song of Ice and Fire series of novels, which include, which includes A Game of Thrones, A Storm of Swords, A Feast of Crows, A Dance of Dragons, The Winds of Winter, and A Dream of Spring. Uh, The latter two have not come out yet. Everybody is waiting with bated breath for the winds of winter. Um, uh, the, the HBO adaptation is from David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. Uh, Luke Kerr and our Melody Akles are longtime fans. Luke uh, kept trying to get me to watch for years, and I was like, oh, I want to watch that show about those incestuous people and that dragon. And then one of our readers, Love Erica, was like, Jamie, if you don't start talk, start talking about it on the pod, Pop Confidential podcast, I'm through with you. And I was like, dang, well, if my readers are getting mad, it doesn't matter what Luke thinks. Let me let me check it out. So I did. Welcome to the story of my life. <laughs> oh, please. Oh, please. This from a person who it took me threatening to quit Daytime Confidential for you to learn soap history. So anyway, don't even go there. And technically, I may not have done that either. <laughs> you never did! That's where he finally admitted <laughs> I bought the books. I bought the like, books. I was screaming. That was back when I had a slight screaming problem. And I was like, oh, if yeah. you don't buy oh, Way back then. Back when? Yeah. For the Oh, no, for the I record, have stopped This the is not just me. This is jo- not just me making comments. Yes, I ne- but I have never screamed at anyone but you. <laughs> <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> I remember Mel used to think I would. She'd be like, JB, are you mad at me? Don't scream. I'm like, what is she thinking? I'd be on the podcast scared. Because I'd be like, oh, I don't want to say nothing. Like, no, I just like, scream at Luke because he's my business partner. It's like we're married. I get to scream at him. In a t- uh, no. <laughs> no, I, I stopped screaming at Luke about two years ago now. I, I am proud of about myself. About a year. A half. <laughs> Look, he, he count the days. Okay, a year and a half. That's still progress. But yeah, at that time, it was like, if you don't learn soap history, I quit. And I was like, you need to buy all these books right now. Because I got. I bought the books. And he Craig never had, read them. Frank knows for a fact because then he sold them on the Amazon business. See? <laughs> See? I did, yes. He just benefited from the I will attest to that. <laughs> that and, and look, here's the thing about Luke that I have just come to learn. He's just not that fan who immerses himself because I am. And so immediately after I got hooked on Game of Thrones, bringing it back to the topic at hand, I started just like obsessing over it, reading the books, going to the websites. And- Let's put it this way. He read an entire Game of Thrones book faster than he did the first three chapters of my novel that he'd been promising to read for two years. Yeah, and, and that, yeah, that got, oh yeah, so Luke sees me on Twitter, you know, gushing about reading the first Game of Thrones novel. Oh, so you can't read my first three chapters that I've been asking you to read. But you can, and I'm like, I, what did I say? I don't and at that point, he had no excuse because before it was like, well, I'm not interested in fantasy and magic and stuff. <laughs> and I was like, fuck this. You got three chapters to read. Let's see, Game of Thrones for me 
that's why this show is something for everyone. For me, yes, there's the magic and there's the fantasy, but I love it because it is a story of four or five wealthy dynastic houses fighting for the Iron Throne of Westeros. Let's dive into those families. There are the Starks, the nobles from the north of Fallen House Winterfell. There's the Lannisters, currently at rule in King's Landing through the puppet king, Tommen, quote-unquote, Baratheon, because we know he really is a Lannister because he's inbred. There is House <laughs> Tyrell, the wealthy house ruled by Luke's beloved Granny Tyrell, the dowager. Uh... Granny Tyrell is everything. <laughs> everything. I've always considered you Granny Tyrell, Luke. There are the Montel. Listen, I would not have a problem with that, considering how powerful she is. Then there are the Martells, the Boltons, the Tullys, all these different families vying for control. But it is almost written in, in the wind that the woman who will one day rule Westeros, or so we think, is Daenerys. Targaryen, Daenerys Stormborn, first of her name, as she loves to tell everybody. Mother of dragons. <laughs> Mother of dragons. Uh, look, she loves to tell you what her titles are, and we love her. So let's get you love her. to this season. So a lot is happening, you know, whereas Game of Thrones it moves pretty fast. This season seems to be really lighted up a lot of storylines. We gushed a few weeks ago when after, I think for the first time since season one, two Starks were in the same location at the same time. And we got <laughs> the, the reunion of Sansa and Jon Snow, her beloved half-brother, or so we think he is. Uh, we talked about it then, but let's talk about it again because that was a, a big moment for the show this year. Craig, what did you think of that reunion? What did it mean for you as a person who's watched the show during this whole, you know, six seasons of progression, unlike me who just binged really fast? And I read the first book in 1996 as well. Wow. So you so were I've, really adapter. I've been a George R.R. R. Martin fan for many, many years, even before that. So, uh, yeah, I was a big fan from the very beginning, before there was even a breath of, of the, of the uh, TV series. So I was absolutely... Well, I was thrilled that Jon Snow was actually back, first of all, this season, because that was something we were all wondering about. Though, I, as I tell everybody, nobody ever dies in fantasy. Um, but I, I, I loved it. I'm not, I don't love Sansa. I don't, I don't like her as a character necessarily, but she's necessary and she's extremely well done. Jon Snow, I absolutely think, is terrific. Uh, how he handles the fact that he's not really a Stark and yet he is. Um I loved it. I love the uh, the the uh, the reunion. I liked seeing back together. Now I got they both have to find their place in the universe, so to speak. Which one is really the primary? Or is it gonna be Rick and Stark who's who's up in Winterfell? So i I loved I love the I love the the reunion. I love the the way they were dealing with each other and how he basically has to keep reminding her that it's not the way it used to be. Well, it's funny that you mentioned not liking Sansa. She was my least favorite Stark up until last season. And, and mostly it was because I blamed her for everything. Because I was like, see, if your fast ass wasn't trying to be a princess, your daddy wouldn't have had to take you off <laughs> to King's Landing, and the pervert wouldn't have got a hold of you, and he wouldn't have cut your daddy's head off, and your poor sister had to go off into the wilderness with the wild people and stuff, and she ain't been back home since. So I kind of blamed Sansa for all of it. I, be, I want to be Joffrey's wife, father, please, please. But she has more than she has been one of my know, favorite characters endured, from the beginning and her know, evolution has been fantastic. Yeah, she is her mother's daughter this season. Mel, mm -hmm. what are you thinking of John and Sansa's alliance? Do you think that her going behind his back and writing that letter to Littlefinger could cause problems in that reunion that their reunited bond? Mm. 
I feel like John will, you know, forgive her for that just because that family has been through so much. And when they finally did reunite, they had a moment of, oh, my God, we're finally back together. I thought you were dead. We we didn't know what was going on. We're back. And I always thought that reunion was kind of interesting, too, because you didn't see the two of them, you know, interact together a lot before. And to see them come together, it kind of shows you, okay, you know, they really are a family. You know, we didn't hang out a lot or, you know, we were always together. We weren't together. But now that we have to stick together... I'm about it. Let's do this. Now, Sansa writing this letter to Littlefinger worries me because I don't trust Littlefinger. He gets on my <laughs> nerves. I can't stand him. And it's always, everything with him always goes back to the mama. And Sansa is the person who looks the most like the mama because of the red hair and the whole semblance and everything. And I feel like that might come back to bite Sansa somehow, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Now, Luke, uh, Mel makes a good point about not being able to trust Littlefinger. Peter, you know, uh, Peter Baelish is that character that, I mean, he can be so sincere when she and Brienne, you know, confronted him. You know, you really felt that he regrets, you know, basically trading Sansa uh, to Ramsay Bolton. But... In true Game of Thrones fashion, you know, usually when there's a big battle, I've, co- I've come to learn their tropes. Now I don't even get scared when there's a big battle and the person you want to win the battle is losing because we always know somebody's going to rot up. You know, at Blackwater, um, it was Tywin Lannister. Um, and when they were, uh, God, who was it? With the, the Wildlings, it was Stannis Baratheon who showed up to save the Men of the Night's Watch. So I'm basically like, okay, I'm already preparing for no spoilers, but I'm like, okay, you know, John's <laughs> John's little hobtob team <laughs> is going to be getting their asses kicked, and the Knights of the Vale are going to show up and help them secure uh, Winterfell. That's what I'm assuming. But like Mel, I'm like, hmm, what if he gets there and pulls an okie doke like he did, you know, with her parents? So what are you thinking about? the Starks' chances of taking Winterfell and whether or not uh, Littlefinger will help them. First of all, for me, Littlefinger is a character that you love to hate. Um, He is... I actually believe that in the moment he says the things that he says, say to Sansa, he may mean them, but the moment it's over, the the parameters have changed for whatever it is he's trying to manipulate. And so he means it in the moment. He's a great love to hate character. As for the battle for Winterfell, from a, like on one hand, I totally agree that he could be a character that would totally betray them and they wouldn't get Winterfell back. But at the same time, I sort of feel like just since we only have so many episodes left of the entire series, they have to have the war with, the White Walkers, I feel like at this point we're too, we've come too far for them to lose Winterfell again. They have to win it this time. Otherwise, Winterfell will just never be taken back because the entire focus is going to then shift to the invasion of the White Walkers. Craig, let's hear your thoughts. Who do you think is going to win at the battle for Winterfell? Well, I am because, I mean, this it's, it's a fantasy, almost a fantasy given that when when you're completely outnumbered when there's no chance of winning when you're going to be destroyed you you end up winning whether it's a, a deus ex machina or or some miracle like luke was talking about at the last minute somebody shows up to save your bacon that you know there's no doubt in my mind because uh, they have a Stark already there, and because they're so outnumbered, because everything is hopeless, it's like an old any Lord of the Rings situation. When it gets the most hopeless, you know something good's got to happen. So it's got to be. They've got to take Winterfell. I'm positive of it. Well, and you mentioned Lord of the Rings. That is a huge influence on George R.R. R. Martin. Indeed. Um, he's a big proponent of being inspired by other stories, but not writing in that world. I was reading some of his writing advice here recently, and he talks about reading often, but not doing fan fiction. He's not a fan of fan fiction, so sorry, E.L. James. <laughs> he says, <laughs> that is not the way to to make it. You have to be comfortable writing your own universe, which I do quite a bit of soap opera fan fiction, so I was like, okay, George, I feel you. You know, part of me is like, but what about 
Fifty Shades of Grey, but I don't really want to write Fifty Shades of Grey, so I'm going to listen to George R.R. R. Martin. Let's talk about the Tullys, because they could be quite the ally, allies for the Starks in this battle for Winterfell, but they're a little busy trying to fend off uh, the Boltons and Jamie Lannister. Mel, do you think Uncle Brendan's going to be able to come out on top, or are they going to starve him out of River Run? I mean, it's possible it's, it could happen because of kind of what, like Craig was saying, somebody's going to come in at the last second. I feel like it could be Uncle Brendan because, you know, he kind of showed up out of nowhere before because we didn't know what, really what was going on with him. All of a sudden, he's back. Okay, cool. But what worries me is them doggone Boltons because that Bolton dude, man, the stuff he does, the stuff he gets away with and how he's always oh. seems to be a step ahead of everyone kind of worries me. So I feel like he's always got a plan and that could kind of throw a monkey wrench into the plan, but I don't know. I hope it works out for, you know, the Tullys come in and save the Starks and they get Winterfell back, but I don't really know. Luke, uh, Sansa sent her her ace, her homegirl, Brienne of Tarth, her the queen of her personal uh, queen's guard, <laughs> to go negotiate um, or, to, or to try to get her Uncle Brendan on their side. But then, of course, she's going to arrive and find her frenemy, Jamie Lannister, on the opposite side because he's there to, to help the Boltons uh, regain control of River Run. So this puts them at cross purposes. Do you worry that we might see our girl having to sever a hand the only hand he has left <laughs> listen i am i'm a little bit of a jamie and brianne shipper so no i do not want that to happen i would love it if those two ended up together though i know they never will i think the that one... red-headed wildling man might have something to say about that yeah no he is not interested brianne is not interested in him but do you um, he always in the background giving a hey girl how you doing i like that suit you got on there like and wouldn't they have <laughs> mad wild donkey sex i mean oh let's just be real threesome with the giant i the thing that i love about brianne is that and this is so ironic for me because usually I hate these type of characters. I hate white knight characters in soaps, in in writing, in all kinds of things. They drive me nuts. But in Game of Thrones, at least on the television show, I love Brienne. And she's this white knight character. I want her to be how Jamie is redeemed because I see that they have the potential. I see that what she could do for him, whether or not they end up together romantically, yes, that'd be fantastic. But I want her to be the person who helps Jamie get his soul back, even and forget about Cersei. Um, good luck with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, yep. When you've been dating someone since the womb, it's kind of hard to get over her. Um, let's talk about some of the other Starks since we're on this family. Arya has finally all but completed her little quest in the free city of bravos to become you know one a of the disciple uh, of the many-faced god god i have hated this storyline so bad <laughs> i'm so sick of that stupid wench hitting her with that stick talking about who are you a girl has no name a girl and you know anybody I'm but you want to hear an interesting theory about that uh, i wait i wait no. well, go ahead <laughs> Yes, go ahead. Tell me your interesting theory. I think I know. I, which well, one you're this isn't about. this isn't my theory, but it was a theory that I had read online when I was reading some analysis of it. People are actually speculating that Arya and the Waif are one and the same, and that the Waif is a split personality of Arya. That it's Fight Club. Yeah, I've seen yeah, some of that. It, that when I read that, it was like, wow. So if that, Arya just up and stabbed herself in the middle of that square, she needs help serious well and, 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 the thing, and the thing is is that like when like in the article that i was reading they went back and they put like video clips and they showed how when it cut to aria a lot of times you would see her and she would just be fighting by herself yeah and as and so it was like well maybe there is something to this mm. it's an interesting theory one that i hadn't thought of but it's it was one that i enjoyed thinking about and speculating about well i personally enjoyed the little arc with the play within the play that got Arya back, Arya back to her senses and her purpose, which is to get Needle, 
get back to Westeros and start checking more names off of her list. Because this whole sojourn, you know, it's definitely made her a warrior. And I know that that's a big part of fantasy, that they have to go on their journey and find their mentor. But I'm like, can we get her back into the main story? Because this has just driven me crazy. And as a fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I kept waiting for her to just... Because if anybody saw that episode when Buffy had given up being the Slayer and she was sold into slavery and, you know, it was another one of those situations and she finally was like, my name is Buffy Summers. And then she just started beating the shit out of everybody. And I was like, that is what I was ready for that girl. Because it's like they would beat the crap out of her every time she said, my name is Aria. Pop! You know, they just bust upside the head. I'm like, ooh. So I am ready for her to get back home. Let's talk about Rickon. Do we think Rickon is going to make this out of this alive? I absolutely think he, I think he has to. I think he's going to make it out alive. I think God knows what's going to happen with him being a real Stark, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but so technically, yeah. Well, you know, we all know that Bran is alive. So technically, Bran See, is the heir to Winterfell. I, I... I think Rickon's going to be the, I think he's going to be the sacrificial lamb. You can't have as much death as you do in the Stark family and mm. only have it be the parents. Yeah. If, I mean, if, and if Rob, Santa, Rob if, died, well, Rob, but I mean, this late in the game, I mean, Rob died, but I mean, this late in the game, we still have four kids. There's going to have to be one. Well, Rickon is not a point of view character. I know in the show, at least. Well, no. And that's, and that's why I think that it's going to be easy for them to kill him off. I I can see that too, because then they would be, they can kill him off. And then that's the catalyst. You don't kill a character. You usually don't kill a character off that really doesn't matter. Each other character they've killed off matters to kill Rickon would be, would be, would, who cares? Yeah. Seriously. You're killing Bran maybe, but Bran's going to be the Raven. So, but the, I, I can I, see though. I don't. I don't I think it's that them quite getting... that standpoint. Oh, yeah. I think it's the standpoint of he doesn't matter to the viewer, but he would be hugely important to the Stark siblings. I could see Ramsay so killing like, him, slaughtering off. him, and just like yep. throwing him up there like some sort of yep. carcass, like an animal carcass. I mean, I, 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 yep. I hope I, that doesn't happen because. You know, but then I have to remind myself: this is not the Cosby Show, or this is not Growing Pains, JB. This is a dark, ugly show. Because you know, you get those. Oh, I just want all the Starks back together at Winterfell. You know, and see, that's drinking too, that's too porridge, <laughs> eating porridge and ale. But that's probably not going to happen until the finale. Um, so we've have we covered all of the? Well, not no, we have not covered all the Starks because now it's a time to talk about the big theory about the Starks, and we got a vision from Bran when he um, went into his uh, <laughs> three-eyed Raven mode, and we saw him seeing his father, a young Studley. Oh yeah. Stark, of you know finding that tower where Lyanna was on her pool of blood, as it was foretold. So, do we all believe that we're going to learn this season that Jon Snow is the love child of Rhaegar Targaryen and Lyanna Stark, or has they have they just been pulling a big okie doke all this time with all of these teasers? Craig, we'll I go. Think... We'll go to you first, and then we'll go to you, Luke, then Bell. Well, it seems like, honest to God, it seems like they set John Stark up to be, to be the the son of Eddard. I mean, everything early on certainly said that. Even the even the girl that Eddard loved, and I just I can't see that happening at this point because he did bring him back from from the city from the um, from. So that would surprise me if it ended up. That she that he was the son of someone else. I was just really... well, you know, Arya. Oh, I, I think they're so totally doing Arya it. Arya did get a, a whop with that stick when she called him her brother. So that to me was like I don't know. What do you think, Luke? I think they're totally going that way. I don't know that, it, but your question was for this season. I don't think it's going to be revealed this season. If it if it's alluded to more, I think it's going to be the cliffhanger with with the fact that we only have like. So few episodes left after this season, Ooh. they have to. They either have to deal with it or they have to ignore it. So I think it's either going to be the cliff, one of the cliffhangers for the season finale, or it's going to be in the very first what? episode of next season. What if she got the way? I mean, I've thought about this once or twice. What if Arya's the one that's not the real daughter of Eddard? 
I've thought about that several times in the past. Whether maybe Arya's not the one because she just kind of doesn't fit the mold of the others. Mm, see, about, I, I, the time frame doesn't yeah, match and, up, and I can't see Caitlyn. I mean, she was so devoted to. I can't see her stepping out on him. Mel, what do you think about this whole... Because so many fans out there, even though they've never shared scenes, so many... I mean, there is... There are, you know, like, fan videos, and, you know, there's fan fiction, and there's just this big campaign that basically wants John and Danny together at the end. Now, of course, in my realistic mind i'm like but if he is rhaegar's son then he's her nif- her nephew she's his aunt but then i'm like okay brothers and sisters be screwing on this show so what does that matter what do you think about <laughs> the whole very popular what is it called uh, the the it actually had they call it um r plus l equals j what are your thoughts on that fan theory that that john is really the child of rhaegar and liana and not out of rape but out of love as as some people I think it's totally plausible and I can see this show doing it because I feel like Game of Thrones is definitely a show where you you try to expect the unexpected and it doesn't really work because something always comes out of nowhere or what have you. I don't know. It's plausible. I think it could happen. You know, John, they always call him, you know, he's the bastard, blah, blah, blah. Well, what if, you know, we don't know who he's the true bastard of? Like, it can happen. <laughs> and I could totally see Ned, like, taking him in because that was Ned Stark. Like, yeah, I could believe that. Now, as for John and Danny getting together in the end, I mean, these are two mm. beautiful, beautiful people. And I think they would be so hot. But I don't know if I would really want that to happen. Like, I, you know, eventually I do want Danny to come and claim her throne as, you know, the Game of Thrones. As the queen well, what of you're the talking about, though. Oh, I hope he, can, he kills her. He could claim the throne. He, if he's... I hope he yeah. kills her. Ah! What? Luke, what? Oh, I hate Danny. Oh, uh, go away. The most pointless kick character him, kick him on off the podcast show. right now. Kick they the say speaking like watching Danny on Game of Thrones is like watching a story on the Bold and the Beautiful. It's rinse and repeat. She has the exact same stories every single season. She has a good cheerworthy moment, and that's it. Delete your account, cause you that no. You are a sick pup. No, I want I want him to kill her, and I told Jamie this. I told Jamie stand over Sansa, and I told freaking problematic. Listen, there is more character development in almost every other single character on Game of Thrones than there is in, in Danny. Are, uh, that is a character who has had the same constipated no, no, look, is, riding is, on a horse, or riding on a dragon. This is she Game has of Thrones, Luke. <laughs> no, but she has, she has cheerworthy moments. how you are so wrong in that there is no character development in this Oh, my girl. God. She she I'm talking, I'm talking about she has the exact same scenes every no, single No, 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 no. Let me finish then because no, you're not gonna just get the last word on Danny on the Game no. of Thrones podcast talking crazy. No, I'm I'm not expecting to have the last word. I'm saying so, my opinion is, is her story is repetitive. This is a girl who was so scared of her own shadow because of her sadistic evil brother who traded her to bloodthirsty mm-hmm. rapists. Sold she her as a sex slave, literally. Yes. Okay, I'm sorry. She Keep used going. her power over this man to make him fall in love with her after a horrific wedding night, quote unquote. She then took the eggs away from her sadistic brother, turned on him, managed to inspire a whole generation of people she didn't even speak their language at first, Yep. And managed to grow a swell of support, freeing slaves from island to island, growing her empire over and over again. Yes, she's definitely made mistakes, as any new ruler would, but she comes back every single time. She is the best conqueror on this show. She's the only one who built from nothing, from being the orphans of Winterfell to, I mean, not Winterfell, the orphans of King's Landing to now she is the queen of dragons. And you were saying I, there has been no I will character give, development. I will give you that she, in terms of her arc for her power, she has had a progress. What I am saying is, if you compare the eggs in the fire scene to the scene where this season she turns over the fire and walks out of the fire, to the scene where she's in the um, the stadium and it basically has the moment. She has 
pretty much the same scenes every Those single are not year. The same thing. Yes, she killed does. all the cow. She killed all the cows in this fire. That scene. is Wasn't not the same scene. She, Those are not the same her, scenes, my friend. Her story. All I'm saying is her storyline is very repetitive. They, she's the only one no. that has a. She's the only one other than Eddard Stark who truly seems to have a moral compass. Yes, and she learns and she grows as she gets more power. And yeah, again, she makes huge mistakes. That's how Tyrion came in. You know, she is a true liberal. She's coming in. We're going to free the slaves right now. And Tyrion is like, uh, let's just let's give them back. seven years with their... You know, you can't replace an economy without... You know, she learns as she grows and she keeps wise counsel, although sometimes they betray her and go off and get... Stone creature madness, sickness, whatever it's called. <laughs> what is that? Grayscale. I couldn't think of it. But oh, I, I'm through with you, Luke. Talk about. Daddy. And she has those love. I know. Have all these. I know she has all these love hate relationships going on all the time with. Luke with her always followers. hates the true protagonist of a show, sure. though. I'm like, yeah. it's her show. <laughs> it is not her show. Yes, oh God, it yeah. Is, Luke, she no. is the protagonist. The, listen. The Seven Kingdoms, when she comes back, need to destroy she her. She and John are the protagonists of the yeah. show, and I would go ahead and give her the edge and to say that she is the lead character on Game of Thrones. And she, she is one of the few women I've ever seen who can walk naked and keep every bit of nobility. Never, say I mean, that. never. Pardon? I, no, 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 that was that was a good thing, Craig. I'm, she I'm, can. <laughs> I mean, she can walk naked in front of all of these people and not not blink an eye. Not, I mean, she maintains every bit of the nobility, every bit of that. Shoot. That wow, I'm telling you. Better you better not grab their balls when they were all talking nasty to her. We gonna fuck you and do all this to you, and you gonna serve us. And she's like, I'm not gonna serve none of y'all. I'm she's... gonna set y'all asses on fire. How about that? <laughs> that? That was the best. And then she just nope. set there and just burn their asses while they Absolutely. Yes, Daddy. Fist pound for Daddy Targaryen up in this piece. All right. She's going to she's gonna point and say, Drogon, lunch. Let's <laughs> talk about the Lannisters because Cersei has not had as good of a year as Daddy. Mer Mercurial Cersei who rules the Iron Throne from behind her son is losing control and Luke's beloved Granny Tyrell said it best. Oh, she was, her takedown of Cersei was one of the single, it wasn't the best moment of the season, was, but it was epic. You know, basically I'm paraphrasing, but she was like, because of your stupidity, both of our epic, both of great our houses, great our houses, old and great houses yeah, or something stand like that. in ruins. And she was like, you know, poor Granny Tyrell is going through just as much with this mess, if more, because her grandson is still, you know, a prisoner. And she's like, the only thing I find comfort in is knowing that you've been beaten, Cersei. And I loved it because Cersei, since the beginning, has just caused so much havoc and chaos, all because she wants to screw her brother in peace and rule the world <laughs> at the same time. I blame it's her for... I blame her for Bran, and I loved Bran in oh, the book yeah. and in the show. Bran is just like, has always been one of my favorites. So, yeah, well, see, I blame thing, her. She probably, though, you know, in in epic storytelling, something tragic sometimes has to happen for you to meet your destiny. So she probably, you know, probably well, you had to happen If you think way. about it, nothing, nothing would have happened that has happened in this series if it had not been for her and Jamie up in that town. Yeah, a writer friend of mine. Well, actually, you can go back further than that, though, Luke, because the real person who kicked all of this off is Littlefinger, because he and crazy lady Aaron poisoned <laughs> her husband, which made the king come to Winterfell to ask... But technically, that didn't happen on screen. I, I know, I'm talking we, about what happened still, on screen. But that was, we learned it years later, that they were the ones, because everyone thought it was the Lannisters, but it was really Littlefinger. So I'm like, Littlefinger pretty much set all of this in motion. Um, but yeah, I, I was know. just talking Sometimes about what happened. Sometimes I think Lord Varys is somewhere manipulating everybody. Although I did read, a, um, since we're talking about fan theories, I read a fan theory also um, that 
people believe that the sand snakes are orchestrating all of this to, you know, and of course this is just a theory and Game of Thrones has more fan theories out there than anyone, but there's this big theory thread out there. I think it was on Reddit that this is all the sand snakes doing because they want to pay back the Lannisters for slaughtering, um, the Martell wife, uh, Rhaegon's, uh, Rhaegar Targaryen's wife, you know, he was married when, um, he was married to a Martell, right? Because, yeah, Oberlin came to the show to avenge... His sister. Uh, yeah, so there, you know, so there's so many theories. And the thing of it is, they're already going off script on the book, so it's like there's really no telling what the TV show creators are going to do. Um, well, and I don't know about what you, what you guys think, but for me, I, I almost feel like not having the book out there for what's going on now has liberated the show this season. Well, well a lot, I feel like it has, has helped, but a lot of it is they, you know, they are, they did still meet with George R. R. Martin so that he could tell them what was going to happen. No, I understand that, but I just feel like they no longer have to worry about being tried and true yeah. as much as possible. Like the Hodar, the Hodar thing is in the, you know, that is how it's going to happen in the book. You know, that is, that's something, because they said in the After the Thrones uh, podcast, or not the podcast, they do that little video segment, they said when he told them Hodor um, backstory, that they their mouths dropped. So they are, they did find out the big plot points from him. Uh, so, yeah, so, but House Lannister, again, okay, so Cersei is there at King's Landing with no power, she just has her big zombie protector, the mountain, uh, there to basically keep her alive, but she has no power right now, Jamie's been sent out to, um, help secure River Run, and Tommen is, you know, Prince wrote a song about him, pussy you know because <laughs> um the queen marjorie has you know cajoled him into accepting the faith militant and i think that that was one of the best mysteries of the season thus far was whether or not marjorie had actually converted or if she was playing a long game and for the longest time i wasn't sure i was like Are, is she going through with it or not and then when she finally gave the rose with the thorn to her grandmother and basically said, get the hell out of here, I was like, oh, that's Marjorie such a... is going to... Go ahead, Craig. You thought that was a mystery? That was, about, well, that was on a, so on a, transparent. On a show that can kill off anybody, because there's been rumors about Marjorie being killed off this season. Yeah. And so on a show where, considering the brother... like. She brought her husband into it, but her brother is still in jail. So I'm like, okay, between her getting killed off, I'm not sure that she's actually going to be playing. I mean, is actually playing the long game. And I was so happy when it was. I oh, think I, Marjorie I, is going to use her newfound power to make Cersei pay. M Mel, do you think though that because a lot of people were shocked to find out that uh, the Hound survived, do you think that the Hound? being alive and well and having a score to settle with the mountain will cause problems for Cersei's new champion. I hope it does <laughs> because I'm not going to make a suit here. I cannot stand Cersei. I want her to die as soon as possible. So hopefully that will, you know, cause some problems for, you know, her, Cersei's mountain that she thinks is so undefeatable and, you know, her quest to get all of her power back. So ugh, Cersei exhausts me. Like, you're way nicer than me. I, I, I want her to stay I in there. And, I want to stay in there and suffer and suffer and lose more of, of her power and lose lose every child she has and just you know lose parts of her body. I just want that. I want her to suffer so much. Uh, well, you know what's going to happen, or my prediction is what when she her downfall is going to be when Tyrion returns. Well, oh, you're talking I mean, about the prophecy that one of her that her little brother will kill her. Well, I wasn't talking about so much the prophecy. I mean, that could play into it. But considering he's with Danny at the moment, when Danny comes back, you can bet King's Landing is going to be one of the first places that they go after. Well, you and know, Jamie is also he, technically her little brother, too. So what if he's the 
the younger brother that will kill her. It would be more satisfying I if was it was so Tyrion, considering how, te- how terrible he was. Why are you disappointed in Jamie Mel? Oh, because him and Cersei was, you know, back to their old tricks of slipping their tongues down each other's throats. And I was like, Jamie, I thought we was done with this. I thought we were over this. We had a little bit of taste of Brynn, you know. When she stood up out of that hot tub, he was like, damn, didn't know you had like that. So oh, you can't, get, you can't like, get away from that stuff. I knew. You can't get away like, from that when you get addicted yeah. to it. Yeah. So I was like, oh, again, Jamie, we're back at this. She wasn't shit before. She really not shit now. And you still want her? Ugh. <laughs> it, it's crazy because you know I felt bad for Cersei last season when she had to do her neck and walk of shame, I, and they she deserved know, it, and she deserved she, more. She definitely yeah, she, did, but it's one thing that that's been a problem for me when I go back to season one. You know, I totally knew who my heroes were. I knew that I was in it to win it for the Starks. And I'm still, you know, wanting justice for the Starks. But this show has been so great about giving you the POV of your villains that I've started to root for them in ways, too. And then because the storylines sometimes take a while to cross... You know, I get used to liking the Lannisters a little bit. And then, like, now, then it's like, oh, well, Jamie's going there, but that means he's going to be against Brienne and against Brendan. And I want the Tullys to win because they're akin to the Starks. And I'm like, oh, no, I like Jamie now. Um, don't, you, because- don't you have a little problem, though? Every time I get to liking Jamie, I, re- I remember him pushing Bran off the, off the yeah. roof. That really bothers me. Well, See, I actually that, think that doesn't bother has, me. he... I feel like Jamie has really become a better person. His only Achilles heel at this point is his sister lover. Because And the loss of his hand atones yeah, he, for the Losing loss his of hand and everything he went through with Brienne and his promise to Caitlin and he really I believe he genuinely intended to deliver if those mm. little girls had just stayed put. Uh, but, <laughs> but you know, he I really think Jamie the minus, Jamie Lannister redemption story. Minus <laughs> Cersei. Yeah, minus Cersei. I think Jamie's become a good guy. You know, even with going over there to try to save Marcella and the Sand Snakes were like, nah, this one ain't going home alive. We finna give her the kiss of death. Um, I really think he's tried to become... And, and, you know, he really redeemed himself when he set Tyrion free. You know, for me, that was just like, I'm sure he didn't know he was going to go shoot their daddy on the shitter. But, you know, hey, he I, I think that minus Cersei, he could be a pretty good dude. Uh, let's talk about our favorite Lannister, or mine at least, I don't know. Uh, Tyrion, who is in Marine, advising and basically serving once again as the hand of the queen this time in you know, daddy's absence. Um, so, do we think he is going to get himself into trouble because um, unsullied dude, your deal. yeah, unsullied dude uh, <laughs> is not feeling his leadership style, and neither is sister girlfriend with the curly hair. You know, daddy's homegirl and homeboy are like, uh, uh-uh, you are not ruling like daddy would, and we are tired of you, little man. So is daddy going to get back and be like, oh, duh, not freak? Because she can be a little unrelenting when she wants to be. So is is she going to feed Tyrion to, to that dragon, Luke? No, no, because it's it's the same premise of when he first arrived. He is way too valuable to her for his knowledge and experience in government and understanding how uh, the Seven Kingdoms work. There is no way. And when she gets back, she's gonna, she's not going to be happy with it. But she's going to let the seven-year deal go through because it's the only way that she can focus on what she really wants, and that is getting her throne back. Let's talk about another character who has really um, grown over the years and had, and we got to meet his family. That's Samuel Tarley. Uh, he tried to take his wildling girlfriend home to the family, and let's just say it was worse than guess who's coming to dinner. With mm. Sidney Poitier. <laughs> yeah, not um, the second one, which was worse than anything. <laughs> yeah, so what did we think about his homecoming and, you know, his father and brother being the worst frat boy dicks ever? Mel? 
Oh, see, I've grown to love Sam over these little seasons. So him going home, I was interested to see, like, what his family was like, where he came from. I didn't realize, you know, they were kind of this upper echelon, had lots of money kind of deal. I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. You meet his mom. Isn't his dad, like, one of the huge generals, the former generals or something? So I was like, oh, okay, I didn't, you know, I haven't read the book, so this is me just watching the show. So I was like, oh, wow, this is interesting. So you meet his mom, and I think it was his sister, and they're, you know, all fawning over the grandbaby. I was like, okay, all right, I can see where Sam, you know, Sam's always been a little soft-hearted kind of guy. So I see where he get that from. Then you meet his dad and his brother, and they are total freaking douchebags. And I'm like, come on today. Don't, don't hold back now. Don't hold back. Of course not. We're and his, back. like, the whole thing with the carbs. Ugh. Right? And I'm just like, oh, y'all are the worst kind of people. I've and had I'm that happy. dinner conversation with parents. And it makes me happy that, you know, Sam was kind of able to move, look beyond that and above that. You know, he's still this great, you know, kind-hearted person. And for him to be like, you know what? Jilly, get your stuff, get the baby, we out. We leaving, I ain't doing this no more. I'm out. I remember why I wanted to go to the wall in the first place. So Kiss my rosy red butt. Thank That's you. That's what I was saying. We out. So, that was good. <laughs> well, and he isn't the only... Um, he isn't the only character in Game of Thrones who'd be the hasty retreat from a family reunion this season because the Ironborn <laughs> snuck <laughs> off with those ships after they lost the king's boot to their uncle. What are we thinking about Theon getting his balls back? Of course, that is that has to be a very rhetorical statement. Figurative. Not figurative literal, statement. Yeah. yeah, not rhetorical. It's not literal. They, Though know, it is they, fantasy. If he meets up with the Red Witch, you hey, never maybe know. Maybe the Red Witch can do some <laughs> oochie-coochie-la-la. La. She, she brought... She brought John Yo, back to life. Yeah. Maybe she can fix I his dick. I swear that shit comes out of nowhere. Fantasy Viagra. Always. She comes out of nowhere. And now it's another one. It's, look, it's, she's got a red witch bomb yeah, over but, there. See, but this goes, this goes to, like, and this is totally my own theory, which I told Jamie about, and he discounts, but it sort of makes me wonder if the fire and ice isn't Danny and John, but Danny and Sansa. Uh-huh. And so each of them will have their own red witches and the two of them will go Luke to war. Is trying to make Sansa happen. Stop and I'm it. like, she's oh not God. a POV character. The show, if you look at, if you look at, all I'm saying is she has a red witch now. And she Danny doesn't has have one. a red. Witch. She has an army. Uh, Danny that red witch one. told me to tell you, she said, John, nah is the one who was promised. Not Sansa. Yes, yeah, I think Sansa's Sansa. the one by... I think Sansa may be the one that doesn't end up at the that end of the... That red witch will, put a, will pull a demon out of Sansa's mirror that'll eat her face. She ain't thinking about Sansa. <laughs> um, no, I... Luke, I will say this. The creators of the show are with Luke. You know, they said they wanted to give Sansa a bigger story because in the book, that her whole storyline was just for some fake girl who Ramsay pretended was Arya Stark, not even Sansa. So the creators of the show like the actress so much, and I do, I adore the actress too. So they wanted to give her a bigger story because George R. R. Martin clearly states who his POV characters are, and it's not yeah. Sansa. Sorry, Luke. But I did enjoy her in X-Men Apocalypse, but we'll yes. talk about that some other time. Wait, you watched X-Men I Apocalypse? Did. I told you I like the X-Men. We've been through this. I just but- I I know, but I thought you said that you weren't going well, to. Okay, yes, that, I did. that I needed a break after a week of soap opera and other things that stressed me out. Sometimes I went and I went to sit a bistro and I had a red wine. Wow. And she does make a good Marvel girl. And I no did doubt. like her. I liked her, even though I'm like, oh Lord, you're gonna grow up and you're gonna kill up everybody, and the Wolverine gonna have to stick you in the guts. Uh, but anyway. Wow. Oh my God. That's for another podcast. <laughs> well, just, we've all seen the old X-Men movies, so that's what happens when she grows up. Anyway. Um, but she rises again, right? Anyway. Back the Phoenix. I'm sorry. Thrones. Okay. Yeah. Like that back to Game of Thrones and people who rise again on that show. Um, like Jon Snow. Um, and like not Lady Stoneheart, since y'all, you know. Oh, there's that. There is sick that I don't get to see my Lady Stoneheart. I'll, but there's still there's theories that she might be in this week's mm-mm. episode or next week. I told week. you, Luke. When Luke is like, Luke will send them to me now. I, you know, 
a few years. Part of it is me torturing you. When that when he Lena likes had, to do that. When Lena Hetty, um, at the end of what two seasons ago, it was like season four. She posted on her Instagram some stones in the circle of a heart, and as a new watcher of the show at that point. I lost my mind. I was like, oh, because just reading about that character, I was like, this is a character I can get with. A lady, zombie, assassin, who just slaughters people without asking questions. I'm like, yes! And then, (laughs) nope, nope, nope. We don't get her, we don't get her, we don't get her. And then they did an interview when they brought Jon Snow back, and they were like, well, that's why we didn't do that with Lady Stoneheart, because we were like, well, that would be us bringing back two characters at once. And then then the Hound survives, and I'm like... (laughs) And it's like, well, we didn't bring the Hound back from the dead, technically bullshit. Everybody knew the Hound was dead. The Hound was dead on a rock, rotting. (laughs) You know, y'all brought him back. Y'all can bring back Caitlyn Stark. But, um, yes, let's get back to other characters that we have been loving or loving to hate, like Ramsey Bolton, the worst <laughs> SOB in Westeros. I think he Joffrey. he makes Joffrey look like a kitten. He would, he would have, you know, strung Joffrey up by his pubes. This guy is a menace. You know, Joffrey was a scaredy cat. If you remember when Stannis came, <laughs> Joffrey turned into a little punk. Ramsey isn't scared of anything. I mean, the guy killed his father, slaughtered his stepmother, and her baby. Ugh. What are we going to do with him, Mel? Uh, you know, there, if there's one character on this show that I see and I shudder a little bit, it is Ramsey Bolton. Because he gets this certain look in his eye, and I give that a credit to the actor because I think he does a fantastic job of playing a psycho. Um, that I'm just like, oh, oh, Lord, he going to do something crazy. Like when the, the scene he had with all the the women and the dogs and everything, and I was like, uh-oh, he about to kill everybody. He's about to kill everybody because he does not care. There's not a care in the world. He will kill you. He will slaughter you in cold blood and laugh about it later. Like, that character is so dangerous. But, you know, when you have a character that is so, you know, high-strung like Ramsey is and will be willing to do anything, his demise is going to be near. Because the more crazy and crazier it gets, you know something has to happen. It's kind of like the same thing that happened with Joffrey. So I'm kind of just waiting for it to happen, but I know he's going to do a couple other crazy things before it does happen. Well, he so plays back- that wonderful line uh, between sociopath and psychopath so well mm-hmm. and no the rules don't apply to him he's gonna do whatever makes makes him happy it doesn't matter how it hurts anybody else and the guy just plays it so beautifully yes. his his looks his actions his even his body and even his body language is just perfect for this this absolute bastard mm-hmm. a lot of people are, are are theorizing online that sansa might be pregnant with a bolton baby do we think that's going to happen and what what would that do to the to the show, Luke? Well, I see that theory. I notice how they've been filming the shots. The when she went and said that she felt it every day, like his impact on her. On one hand, it was like, okay, is she just speaking metaphorically, or is she actually pregnant with the child? And then the way they filmed her scenes with the big robes almost all the time, and the fact that when the when they do um, other shots, it's almost always from the chest up i'm like i really hope this isn't true but i have a sinking feeling that it is what did you guys think of when you saw the phrase come in this season has really brought back a lot of characters from the first two seasons that we haven't seen in a while so we've got wilder Frey still over there you know (laughs) (laughs) old little ugly self with his ugly daughter showing out so luke do you think that um since you're you're definitely in belief, I, I like I said, I'm not going to be Linus in the pumpkin patch waiting for Caitlyn Stark anymore. But in the books, Lady Stoneheart returns to avenge the Starks against the Freys and the Lannisters, and now Walder's back, and he's you know he's instructed his his um, children to use the Tully nephew as bait to get back River Run, so. Is that part of why you think we might actually see Caitlyn coming back to avenge her family? Well, I love the actress who plays Caitlyn. 
However, as much as I would like to see her come back, and I, it would be epic if she did, I sort of wonder, and this goes to another fan theory, but there was a theory out there that it's going to be Arya who does it. Mm. it, it as like Stoneheart or take on that mantle as an assassin's mantle. Yeah. To me, that would seem more logical for the show based on how it's structured at the moment. But I will never give up hope. Well, now you might want to be, you might want to not like that theory because you know in the book, the first thing Lady Stoneheart does is string up Brienne of Tarth and Podrick. <laughs> well, but one of the things about that is, though, I mean, the the since the show has played and given twisted some storylines, yes. as like you mentioned, the one with Sansa before, that doesn't necessarily mean happen, that that would happen yeah. this but way. She basically shows up and is like. Y'all didn't protect my kids, like I said. Y'all said y'all, and they're like, "But let us explain." And she's like, "No." <laughs> so I don't know. You know, your girl might be in trouble if Caitlin actually comes back. Um, what do we think? Because HBO has—it's well, a director actually just revealed this that they're planning to do the HBO traditional seven episode season before a six episode final season so you know they've hbo has kind of done that model for a long time you know i know at least dating back to sex in the city they had a final six episodes as opposed to you know a full season so it looks like we're getting ready to have like the final you know arc of the show which is sad but it's also good because you never want a show to stay on too long like True Blood did. But what does this mean for HBO's legacy? Because they've got a lot of fun comedies, but they've kind of had a hard time developing another breakout drama. Craig, what do you think they can do to find their next Game of Thrones or their next you know, monster hit show? Well, they, there, are, there are three or four that I know of uh, Luke, I've talked to Luke about one of them. It was done poorly on TV. That uh, that would be uh, the Wizard's First Rule. That's a series of of like now up to about thirteen or fourteen books. Robert Jordan has a wonderful series of books. That's but it, it has about as many storylines as Game of Thrones, and it's at least as serious. But it's it and it's actually far more complicated, believe it or not, than than. Uh, so Robert Jordan's uh, Wheel of Time series is another option, but what I'd like to see is them do something like there's a one there's a just a, a absolutely glorious Pawn of Prophecy series. It's called the uh, excuse me the first book is Pawn of Prophecy. It's by David Eddings, and it's just a blast. It's got this kind of degenerate old wizard who who's raising a child who thinks he's a a scullery boy, but his aunt and his uncle the wizard and and his daughter are are basically the most powerful people on the, on the planet that aren't gods. It just, those, there's so much out there that you could do that just is so much fun and so interesting that it wouldn't surprise me if they did any one of those three. They're all like national best, international bestsellers. They've all done just amazing amounts of money. And they're, they're just long enough that you could get, have some real fun and do some, do some cool stuff with them. Those would be my three favorites. Mel, Kit Harrington has come out in the press recently and been very vocal about the fact that he feels there is a double standard in terms of men being ogled for their sex appeal as opposed to, you know, him basically believing that it's now frowned upon when you do that for women. I think some female actors would maybe roll their eyes a bit about that because I think it still does happen with women too, but he's definitely, you know, showing sides of that don't just treat me like a body I am an actor. What What are you thinking about that whole um, controversy, <laughs> if it were? When I first read this, I was like, oh, now you know what it feels like to be a woman all the time. Congratulations. It doesn't feel so great all the time when you're just oogled, huh? Doesn't it? But I, I mean, I understand what he's saying, but, you know, it's been happening to women in Hollywood forever. And it's kind of like now the shoe is a little bit on the other foot. And, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I do love to look at you, Kid Harrington, with your shirt off all the time. I would prefer it, but that's fine. Um, but it doesn't, it's not everything. Like, you don't have to have your shirt off. Like, I, I'm fine with it. I think you're a fine actor. So I, it's not a problem. It's not that we're only looking at you for your body. I mean, and this is Game of Thrones. So there's nudity all around for everyone. 
So I just plenty to go, plenty to go know. around for every yeah. race, color, creed, national. And I'd say he was—he's probably one of the least nude characters, except for that. So and he, yeah. you know, swim with Igret and the and, and who was actually his girlfriend in real life. So I'm just like, okay, yeah. so you're kind of in your feelings about this, but this has been happening to women in Hollywood forever, and it's mm. still happening. Just, just so. ask Megan Fox. <laughs> I think she well, likes what you call she's, first world problems. She's not the greatest actress, so thank I God. Think no, she, my, that was my point. Was yeah. She's probably very part. glad to be able to use that body. Luke, I know one of your most beloved characters in this whole epic saga was Hodor. And we found out his origin recently. He's always Just... reminded me a little of Luke. Oh, no, that's cold blood. Oh. <laughs> We found out how uh, he became Hodor <laughs> right as he died. Luke, did you pour some out for the homie Hodor? I did, though. I like in the back of my mind, considering that that other characters have come back to life. I was like, maybe there's a chance we'll see him again. But it was, it was pro- it, top three moment of the season. My first is obviously going to be the Sansa and John reunion, but it was definitely a top three moment. So good. Okay, going around the circle as we get ready to close this Game of Thrones epic podcast, I want to hear first what you are hoping for as we get ready to close out the season. What is your one big wish that you want resolved this season? What one big story point? And then I want to hear what for you succinctly must happen when they wrap the show. Craig, first tell me what do you want to happen by the end of the season, and then tell me what you want to happen by the end of the show. I want to see the daughter of the Iron Islands meet Daenerys Targaryen and arrange for the ships to come across to Westeros. That's what I want to see by the end of the season. And for the end of the show. Oh, and for the end of the show. I would love to see uh, Jon Snow take take the kingship of, of Westeros or if nothing else, be the king of Winterfell, an actual king of Winterfell. I do want Daenerys to be present, alive, and a big part of the Game of Thrones. I don't necessarily want her to have the throne. Mel, what do you want to happen by the end of the season, and then what is your big wish to happen by the end of the show? For the end of the season, I would love for Ramsey Bolton to die in some kind of gruesome <laughs> fashion. I would love to see that. It would be fantastic because I feel like I've had just about enough of him torturing people. So that would be great. And the end, I've always wanted this to be the end scene of Game of Thrones where you finally see Danny. You know, she's finally made it to King's Landing. She's there. Her dragons are came and burnt up everybody. You know, she's finally the queen. And you see her walk up to the Iron Throne. She sits down. She gives this look and she says, game on. I would love it. To, I would love to end like that. I would love it. So I would want her to be the queen. To game win on or game, game over? Mm, I don't know. I feel like game on because it would feel it would be just beginning for her. Like yeah. her journey. Well, yeah, over, because the cycle would That's be That's a starting. Hollywood person right there. Next show. Yep. Spin-off. <laughs> Somebody heard me. Well, there's already, there's already been talk of a spinoff, so you never know. Luke. What about you? What do you want from the end of the season? And then what do you want from the end of the series altogether? The end of the season, I want Arya back um, in Westeros, ideally reunited with her siblings. It, but I, I don't expect that. I want Samwell to have another great moment this season. Uh, for the end of the series, I want Danny dead, Podrick and Sansa married, and ruling all seven kingdoms. Okay, so I guess it's my turn. So for the end, <laughs> for me, because I still believe that it's going to come out that he's really the uh, the Baratheon heir. Well, for me, for the end of the season, I definitely want the Starks back in power at Winterfell, Ramsay Bolton dead, Rickon believing to believed to be the heir with Sansa serving as Wardeness of the North until Rickon reaches of age. For the end of the show, I want the marriage of Danny Targaryen and John Targaryen, and I want them to rule the Seven Kingdoms of Westeros as husband and wife. I want 
Bran to then be found out alive and serving as the three-eyed raven and in his rightful place as Lord of Winterfell. I want Tyrion as Hand of the King again, advising the dark-haired and the light-haired Targaryen. I want Cersei alive and in chains, chained beneath uh, King's Landing in the Red Keep, surrounded by dragon's fire. <laughs> so that if she <laughs> even moves, her ass is gonna just blow up. Um, and I want Jamie redeemed and allowed to go lead the men of the Night's Watch. The end. <laughs> so, thank you all for listening to this pop confidential tribute to our beloved Game of Thrones. Until next time, keep it popping. Go on. Bye.